In 2008, Private First Class Ross McGinnis of Knox, Pennsylvania, was in his gun turret on top of his Humvee when a hand grenade landed in his lap. The grenade then proceeded to flow from him down into the main body of the vehicle where beneath him were four soldiers, brothers in arms. Now in their training, soldiers are trained how to properly bail out of the Humvee in the event that an event like this were to occur. Private First Class McGinnis had every opportunity to jump out of the Humvee, saving himself. But in the split second that he had to make a decision, he decided instead of running and fleeing, that he knew that there was four of his brothers in arms underneath of him that would surely lose their lives. And so instead of jumping out of the gun turret, he jumped to the floor of the Humvee, covering the grenade with his own body and laying down his life so that four other men could live. In 2008, President George Bush awarded Ross McGinnis the Congressional Medal of Honor for his actions, posthumous. In the interviews following, the media came up to his father and said, this is such a tragic event. Your 19-year-old son, his life taken away from him. And the father interrupted the media and said, whoa, When you're referring to a soldier, never, ever make the statement that his life was taken from him by anybody. And the father went on to say that when my son signed up, he willfully laid his life down for you. What a great testimony. What a beautiful usage of Scripture. That this father was able to say, my son, his life was not taken from him but he gladly laid it down so that you could be free. How proud must God feel that his son Jesus willingly also laid down his life? No one took it from him, but Christ laid down his life so that you and I could experience true freedom. Just like this soldier laid down his life so that we could have play baseball, so that we can play t-ball so that we can have picnics today. We need to remember those who gave such a great sacrifice for our freedoms. And we need to live all the more louder because of it. Amen? Let me pray. God, we love you and we thank you. And Lord Jesus, I just think of all of the men and women in our church who currently serve, and we thank you for them. But today is about those who paid that ultimate price. We remember their families, and we pray today that you would bring comfort, grace, mercy, and blessing, Lord Jesus. I think specifically of the Reimer family, one of my former students who gave his life for this great nation, and I pray that you would bless them today. Lord, as we speak about you being the good shepherd, I pray, God, that you will minister to each one of us, because ultimately, God, you are so incredible that not only did you lay your life down for us, you picked it back up for us as well. And we look forward to the resurrection that we will one day experience with you in eternity. And so God, speak to us now, a simple sheep. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was reminded earlier of a book that I once read uh, called the, the, the Jesus Through the Eyes of a Middle Eastern Man. And it's written by a professor down at Trinity. And one of the things that he talks about in this book is the dumbness of sheep. You can laugh at that. Sheep are dumb. 
All right? And so what he portrays to us in this book is he talks about how sheep are these unique farm animals that, that they're, while they're intelligent in their own right, they're also kind of dumb because they're, they're an animal that will actually run into a wall just because they're spooked. They're, they're, they're an unintelligent animal to the point that if they're hungry, they're going to bow their head down and they're just going to start eating, whether it's sand, whether it's dirt, whether it's grass. They're dumb. Sheep are kind of stupid in the sense that they would go down to the water and there would be all this rushing water and, and they would stick their face in and, and they would not be able to stop drinking water to the point where it would kill them or, or they would be swept away by the rapids. And sheep are just, they're just, they're knuckleheads. They're, they're, they're kind of just, I don't even know how you want to explain them, but this, this guy explains sheep as being what we would call not intelligent. Sheep need somebody to tend to them. They would run themselves to death. If you spook a sheep, it will run and run and run. And if there's not a herd with it, the sheep will run and 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 run until it's dead. Unless someone stops it. Because sheep are sheep. Sheep don't know what's good for them. Sheep don't know what's healthy for them. They don't know what's just good for them at all. And, and so when we're compared in the Bible as sheep, it doesn't surprise me. Because the reality of it is, in church, you've got to say amen with this, is we, we're dumb. <laughs> amen? We don't always know what's best for us. There's all kinds of moments in our lives where we get way in over our heads. We think we're taking a sip of water, but before we know it, we're drowning in something that we don't even know what's going on. Right? It happens. And so in our passage today, Jesus was comparing people to sheep. And not only is he comparing people to sheep, he's comparing the people that tend the sheep to something. In about 160 BC, there was an event that took place in the world. It's called the Hellenization of the world. And basically what this means is, is that you had, you had this whole Greco-Roman culture that was trying to take over the world and they wanted to make the world Greek. And so what, what came out of this was, is if, if you can't necessarily just turn, like snap your fingers and turn the world to Greece or to, to the Greco-Roman Empire, what we can do is, is we can take everybody's culture, kill it, and make them have our culture. And so what's happening in the Jewish church at this time is there's two groups of Israelites. And and there's a group that wants to hold to the traditional ways that God commanded them to. And then there's this other group of the Jewish church that wants to be popular and they want to be hip and they want to be culturally sensitive and and they want to fit into the Hellenistic culture. And so they begin to kind of get wishy-washy on some of their beliefs and, and, and they just, you know, does it really say we have to do that? Does it really mean this? And so you've got this war of the Maccabees that breaks out, is what it's called. And so you've got this group of Jewish people who want to hold on to what God has said, and then you have this group here that's saying we need to, to buy into the Hellenistic mindset. And within that, you have teachers of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who bought into the false teaching. And because they bought into false teaching, they began to teach the false teaching to their Jewish brothers and sisters who began to follow a false shepherd. And you had these good shepherds over here standing firm, proclaiming God, proclaiming God, proclaiming God. And it was a very grotesque time for the Jewish church. 
One of the reasons, one of the things that the, the Jewish people remember at Hanukkah is they remember why did we have false teachers who went astray? And they ask that question and they teach on that. It's a significant moment that if we don't think back on it, we're going to lose some of the potency of what Jesus is saying right now. Because you see, in the moment, as we heard from Pastor John last week, we've got some Pharisees who are frustrated with Jesus because he just healed a blind man. And so Jesus begins to tell them stories about shepherds. And it's not a coincidence that he's using shepherds, one, because we're silly people and we're dumb and that we're a great comparison to sheep, but two, he's making a direct statement to the Pharisees that that you're being false shepherds, you're being false teachers, as in the War of the Maccabees. You're leading people astray. He refers to them as people who come to kill, still, and destroy. In verse 10. And so Jesus begins to preach, he begins to teach to these Pharisees, and they're not catching the point of what he wants to say. So he teaches another lesson. And he says these words. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to John 10 with me right now. Last week we learned that the only way to the Father, the only way into the pen, only way into the kingdom is through Jesus, right? Because he's the gate. Well, this week Jesus makes this statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. Well, what's the good shepherd? Well, If you have the Bible, turn to Psalm 23 with me real quick. And we're going to look at it. Because you remember I told you we were were simplistic-minded creatures as people. We really are. We all the time think we know what's best for our lives. We think we know what God's will for our life is supposed to be. But in the reality of it is God has something different planned for us. It's always better. And we get mixed up and we get caught up. We get tangled up into things that ultimately just lead to death. And so in the Bible we see an example of, of two types of Pharisees. We see, or excuse me, uh, shepherds. We see good shepherds, which he just talked about. And in a moment, we're going to hear about bad shepherds. But before we jump to that, I want to hear, what is a good shepherd? Well, in Psalm 23, if you've ever played a sport, you probably have this memorized. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because the sheep will run itself to death. It sometimes needed to be put on its hind end in order to go to sleep. How many of us sometimes work ourselves to death and we sometimes need God to put us on our bums so we can sleep? (laughs) He leads me beside quiet waters. We need water in our life. We need to drink. But sometimes even good things can be overwhelming and can kill us if we're not careful. The good shepherd guides me by paths of righteousness for his namesake. You see, there's this beautiful thing about the desert that surrounds Israel at this time. You know, it's we have this mindset that desert is just sand, right? Well, that's not the desert that we're talking about right here, because in the months of October through May, in the desert surrounding Israel, it is a actually a life-bearing time. It's a time when there is there's rainwaters that cause floodwaters to come, and, and so there's this green stuff that'll grow up in the desert that's normally not there. There's fruit in the desert that's normally not there, and a good shepherd knows where to lead his sheep so that the sheep can graze on this healthy, nourishing, good stuff. So, and it's amazing because the desert will come to life But in the moment where the desert can produce the most life, it's the most dangerous. 
Because you see, when that's happening, bandits and thieves and, and animals who know that, that all the sheep will come in, they know that this is the time to strike because that's when the animals are there. And so they gorge themselves and fill themselves fat and they steal and they kill and they destroy at this time of year. All that to say, he, leads, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So the good shepherd knows where to go. The good shepherd knows where life is. He knows how to protect. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The good shepherd knows how to take us places that sometimes may seem dangerous to us, but the good shepherd is completely in control. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Christians, we, oh my goodness, what are you afraid of? What on earth are you afraid of? You have a big God who carries a big stick. What are we afraid of? He is going to take care of us. He is a good shepherd. He will lay down his life for you and for me. He's got that big shepherd's crook. He is not going to leave us to some evil thing. There's a lot of evil out there that would like to hurt you and that would like to hurt me. But we have a God in heaven. He's not going to abandon us to that. That's why he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to be our good shepherd. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us now. What are we so afraid of? It makes me laugh. Here I am, a pastor. I'm supposed to be the one that gets this, right? But I have all these moments in my life where I'll become panic and I'll become afraid. And I'll, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Really? I got this. And we need to trust in our good shepherd. And I think sometimes we have a hard time trusting in our shepherd because sometimes we can't hear his voice, right? Sometimes we can't hear him calling out. And the reality is that sometimes life can get scary. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, and surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the good shepherd goes and he prepares the place where he'll keep the sheep. He prepares for them to be fed, for them to be nourished, to be cared for. The good shepherd is the shepherd who leads the sheep with his voice. The bad shepherd is the one that has to drive the sheep. The good shepherd owns the sheep. The good shepherd claims ownership over the sheep, where the bad shepherd is just a hired guy who's here to help out. The good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. The bad shepherd is simply not paid enough to do that. <laughs> Let's read what Jesus has to say. Back to John 10, verse 11 again. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, and my sheep, they know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for his sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. I'm going to stop there.
Jesus is the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life. He claims ownership. He leads the, the sheep. He takes care of the sheep. And, and, and the sheep, he said right there, the sheep know his voice. And so here's the question I have for you this morning, church. In our moralistic desert that we live in right now, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice do you hear? Will you recognize the voice of God if it speaks to you? Or is it going to sound like just a resounding gong off in the distance? In 1980 in Palestine, there was a, uh, there was a Palestinian uprising in, in uh, Jordan, excuse me. And there was, there was the punishment for some of this Palestinian uprising was that the local magistrate and the local sheriff decided that they were going to take all the sheep, all the goats, all the animals, anything that they had, and, and, and they were going to take them and they were going to punish the Jewish folks by, by uh, herding them all up and taking everybody's possessions, basically. And only for a period of time. And so they had the entire city of Pittsburgh, let's imagine. All of our sheep, all of our livestock is in, and is in three or four big pens. And so what happens is, is there's a woman who comes to the chief judge, the chief magistrate, police officer, whatever you want to call it in the town. And she says to him, Sir, my husband has died in this conflict. I am but a widow. The only thing I have left is my flock of sheep. Can I please have them? Can I please just return to my land and continue with my life? And in a jerky move, the, the chief official there looks at her and laughs in her face and says, you know what, ma'am? If you can pick your sheep out, you go right ahead. The woman proceeded to the march to the front of one of the pens. And she opened the gate and she began to sing a song. And one by one, there was movement in the pen. And through the thousands and thousands of animals, 25 sheep heard the voice of their master. And she walked away, leaving everybody speechless. As she sang her songs, the officers and the different people hurled insults at her. They were making noise. They'll never understand you. They're never going to hear you. They're stupid sheep. But she simply sang the song, the love song that she would always sing to her sheep. She spoke to them. They heard the call of the master and they obeyed. The question I have for us, church, is when Jesus speaks, have you listened to his love song to you enough that no matter how loud it is, no matter how many more voices are screaming out, no matter what our society is telling you, have you heard the voice, the, the, the voice of Christ enough to be able to identify it in a time of trouble? Do you follow what I'm saying? Because I'm going to tell you, one of the things that Jesus says in the scriptures right before this is he says, there is a thief, there is someone who tries to get through the gate and he's referring to those bad Pharisees, those false teachers. Listen to me, church. Not everything you're hearing out there being preached about Christ, being preached about God, is good. There are different gospels being preached that, that teach if you just simply try hard enough, God will love you. That's rubbish. God loves you no matter what. You can't earn your way into heaven. There's people out there that teach if you pray hard enough and you work hard enough, God will make you a bajillionaire. Listen. God's will for your life may look a lot different than what you think. And it's not for all of us to suffer in Hawaii making $40 million a year. And if that is you, God bless you and have at it. Good for you. 
But for some of you, you're really going to suffer. And and if you're going to say to me, well, God's will wouldn't be for me to suffer, tell that to Jesus. God has a purpose, and he has a plan for everything he's doing in our life. He is the good shepherd. He has to take the shepherd through the valley of death once in a while. Because on the other side is one of the greenest pastures we could ever imagine. And when you get in those dark moments of your life, are you going to be able to keep listening to the master, or are you going to get lost? Are you going to take your eyes off of the master? Are you going to stumble? Are you going to fall? Are you going to not know the voice of God when he's crying to you. God gave us a good shepherd who was willing to lay down his life for you and for me. And I think a lot of times in this life, we give God credit for things he doesn't deserve. We like to blame God for bad things, but then we forget to praise him for the good. We fail to realize that sometimes in the bad things, God is actually making us stronger. That he has to sometimes take us through a briar patch to get us to still waters. And it's so easy for us to say, well, that shepherd over there, you know what that shepherd's doing? That shepherd's taking everybody through the fun water. That that shepherd over there is going to take everybody through that shallow water. And then, you know what? They're going to go out and there's there's a couple pieces of fruit out on that tree. And we're going to go follow him because it's going to be easier. It's more convenient for me. he's, He's okay with this. That shepherd out there, we're just going to go with him. But I promise you this. Any shepherd that does not reflect Jesus Christ is a bad shepherd. And I want to encourage you, even with Pastor John, with myself, do not follow men. Because we will let you down. And some of you in here are shepherds. You will let people down. Do not follow men. Follow Christ alone. If the shepherd you're following is saying something that doesn't match up with an example of Jesus, then I challenge you to challenge him on it. Because the reality of it is, is sheep aren't as stupid as we think. When they have a good shepherd, they know his voice. And when something's out of tune, they know it. Christians, speak up. Don't simply fade into the background and say, oh, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We've got to stand for what this word says because we have a good shepherd and we know what his voice sounds like. And if what you're hearing doesn't sound like this, I promise you it will lead to death because there are a lot of false teachers out there today. Do you hear me, church? There's a lot of false things we buy into that the media spews all this hate and ugly all over us. Are we just simply going to take what people say or are we going to match it up to the word of God? This is the voice. This is the voice of our shepherd. Our times of prayer is the voice of the shepherd. How do you recognize what God sounds like? How do you recognize what Jesus sounds like? You listen to him. You spend time with him. Are you spending time with God? Are you spending time listening to the Good Shepherd? Or are all the other voices in our society, they're screaming out, are they duping you? Are you buying into the lie that our society tells us that this lifestyle is okay or that lifestyle is okay, even though the Bible says very differently? Are you just, whatever, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
I don't care about people's feelings. This is the word of God. I didn't make this. I didn't write this. There's things in here I don't like, and it would make it a lot easier if they weren't in there, but they're in there. And as believers in God, we need to obey our master because he does lead us by the still waters. He leads us to life. He leads us through dark moments that are scary. He frees us from the bandits. And he carries a big stick to defend us. He's not going to abandon us in our hard times. What happens with a sheep is the hard time comes and the sheep runs and scatters and then the shepherd can't even help them because the sheep is running away, running away. And the shepherd's going, come back. Hear me, stop, come back. I love you. I want to take care of you. And so I want to leave you with these three questions, church. What are the voices that you're listening to? Are you spending time with the good shepherd? Or are you spending time with a wolf? Father, we love you and we thank you. God, we are silly humans. And we oftentimes don't know what's best for ourselves. But what we do know is we need a shepherd. We need a savior. And you are that good shepherd. You're the shepherd who owns us. You're the shepherd who loves us. You're the shepherd who willingly just laid down his life for us. The good shepherd makes sure that when it's time to shear the sheep, that their coat is white and clean. And God, as we are just reckless sheep running around, getting in all kinds of dirt and mire and muck, being led astray by things here and there, God. We thank you that we have a shepherd who wants to make us white as snow, who wants to take upon himself the burden of caring for us. And so, God, we thank you for the fact that you laid your life down and no one took it from you, as you said in this word. We pray, God, that you would help us to hear your voice and your voice alone Help us not to buy into the lies of the wolf, the lies of the enemy. But help us as sheep to stand at the door of the pen, singing praises to you so loudly that those other sheep that Jesus talked about would hear your call. So we love you, God, and we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. In spite of our silly, sheepish nature, you still create a place for us. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.